welcome to The Block Podcast. I am Chris Wells. And I'm Carolyn Winner. We are emotionally focused therapists. And we are here to be curious about the blocks in your relationships. And to learn to see those blocks as opportunities to connect. Okay, welcome back to Blocked. Today, we have a suggested topic. I know, it's so fun to know what people want to hear about or want to discuss. And so the, the suggestion was, or what this person wanted us to talk about was how our upbringing or our family of origin affects our current relationship. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of alluded to some of that at our in our last episode where we uh, we talked about attachment styles and how we our strategies and how we develop those and mm-hmm. kind of how sometimes the way we're socialized you know by our gender you know by boys and girls that that kind of plays into it and we kind of touched a little bit about you know how that could look like as <clears> we're coming up but different dynamics that we see mm-hmm. in our families of origin mm-hmm. that um, that kind of show us how we respond, that we, we model those attachment relationships. We, we model those strategies. We, we see what has worked for our parents or for our grandparents, our caregivers, whoever brought us up. Cause that can be different for a lot of different people. Yes. Yes. Um, and we see those relationships modeled or we see a lack of modeling for that. And then we develop our strategies that that we kind of accommodate that into the ways that we you know, we handle things ourselves. Right. In psychology terms, we, I like that you're using the word model, right? So mm-hmm. we, we have these primary attachment figures, whoever they may be. Um, and then they become our internal working model, right? Yeah. So uh, I think you, some sort of joking things is I opened my mouth and my mother came out, you know, <laughs> um, or something like that. But it's kind of a funny way of saying we do internalize these models of other that we have seen yeah, and yeah. they become how we experience the world and move about the world. Yeah. And it's really important for us as therapists that we do an attachment history whenever yes. we're starting with, with a new couple or with, you know, with individuals who we're using, using EFT with, because it's important for us to understand how that's developed for them. Right. Um, because it's so important. It plays such a pivotal role into who we are and mm-hmm. how we how we've developed those strategies, mm-hmm. um, you know, the ways that we were raised, the ways that we saw it. So Yeah. Yeah. I lately have been telling folks that those sessions are to help me see through your eyes mm. a little bit better. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we do ask, uh, folks to take us back to their childhood home, mm-hmm. right? What would I see? What would I hear? What would I feel in your home? Um, I mean, we might not ask those specific questions, but that's what we're kind of getting at. Like, let me step into your experience. And from there, I can better understand how this strategy developed yeah. in you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with, you know, pursuit or withdrawal, that looks, that can look a lot, a lot different for, for different people because our family <laughs> experiences have been a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for, for me, for example, you know, kind of thinking about, uh, how I grew up, um, I never really saw my parents fight, you know, mm. never saw any, any conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was 
kind of quiet around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad was very a very loud person. He would he would talk really loudly. Mm-hmm. My mom was a lot more soft spoken, a lot more a lot more pulled back. But like you would never see conflict between mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Also, never saw resolution between mm-hmm. the two of them. Um, and they got they they got divorced when I was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for me, it was kind of, it was almost out of the blue. Yeah. You know, it was sure. like, has, have things been bad? Right. I, right. You, you didn't know. have an inkling that anything yeah. wasn't okay. Right. And I mean, you know, as, as I reflect back, oh yeah, there were, you know, there were things, you know, I, there were things that I saw that, you know, that were, there were indicators. Um, but when when you're young, you don't no. you don't understand that right right. Um, but there like there wasn't a lot of you know I don't remember there being a lot of talk about emotion in mm-hmm, the house mm-hmm. um, and how to handle it and what to do. Yeah, yeah. So that um, and I know you've shared before, right? Like you have that withdrawing strategy, or that's your go to strategy, right? And so you're really painting the picture mm-hmm. as to why that strategy would be your go-to, right? That's kind of how we functioned in my house is what I hear you saying, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't engage around emotion um, for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it, when I reflect back, it felt very quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I had the very opposite experience. Mm. You know, I'm one of five children there was a time when all of us were in the home, but there's a, a big age gap from oldest to youngest. But nonetheless, there were always multiple children in the home. Mm-hmm. It was not quiet ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes I share with clients, um, I really grew up thinking that my family did emotion, right? Because we surely expressed when mm. we were upset about something. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town and I grew up outside of town. I was, uh, I tell people, you know, surrounded by cornfields, which literally I was surrounded by cornfields growing up. So my siblings were also my playmates. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had fun together briefly. (laughs) We, we fought a lot, um, as kids often do. And so my parents would obviously intervene when things would escalate. And so I thought, yeah, we really did emotion. Like we did not hold back from each other, but we didn't do it all the way um, to the degree that like when the fight was over, right? Like apologize to your sister. And when the when everything settled down, that was kind of it. So we didn't get yeah. curious about why do you feel the way you feel or what about that really bothered you? Um, there wasn't that like full extent of repair. Mm. Um, but there, but we did swim in some emotion. And similarly, I did see my parents. I mean, my parents really, I mean, they worked opposite shifts. Like they, they didn't have a ton of involvement with each other. So their divorce was not a big surprise to me. Um, the process of it was kind of surprising, uh, but that's a whole different issue. So I did see some engagement with them. I did see some conflict with them. Um, I think like a lot of people, I did not see resolution mm. and I think, you know, it makes sense for a lot of parents. It's pretty shameful to have your, you know, your worst moments with your spouse happen in front of your children. You want to protect them from that. Yeah. And so, you know, for the parent, you just go on like life is normal, but, the, and then the child doesn't see how do we get back to that mm. place where everything is okay. Um, so I think we had a mix, right? It was somewhat there. It was not quiet. 
but it I would say now I don't think it was the full experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's it's so funny like as we're talking about this, you know, different different memories and things are kind of coming, you know, coming up for me, you mm-hmm. know, and just the ways that you know that I was um kind of brought up in, you know, my family of origin how that has how that has, you know, changed the trajectory of who I am or, you know, built that. Um, right. Uh, and I remember, you know, after after my parents were divorced, um, that, you know, typically parents get divorced. Oh, right. And there is a, you know, mom and dad don't get along. You know, the families kind of split, separate. And it's my story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have, you know. Dad's side of the family and mom's side of the family. Right. And then that's, you do, you alternate between the two and you don't commingle that. Right. We always had Christmases together even after, mm-hmm. we, you know, my parents were divorced. Mm-hmm. My mom would come to my dad's parents' house and, mm-hmm. you know, we would all be over there together. They would still buy her gifts. Um, and my wife had a completely different, her parents are divorced too, mm-hmm. um, had a completely different experience of that. And she thought it was so mm-hmm. weird mm-hmm. that when she would come with me to, you know, Christmas gatherings and my mom is there with my dad, my dad, they're divorced and, you know, the in-laws and everybody got along fine. Mm-hmm. Everything was happy. Everybody, you know, seemed to love each other. And I can't, I can't help but think like for me, that says, even if there's a problem, uh. Don't bring it up. Right. You know, even if there's hard feelings, you can't for the sake of everybody getting along. Right, right. So that's like one more thing for me that's like, if there's something bothering you, just let it go and push through. Yeah. Because it's, you know, you're going you're gonna to miss out on, on keeping this together. Yeah. So that avoidance right there is protecting everybody connection, else. is protecting the protecting the family. Yeah. And you know, in the years it's it's been over 20 years since my parents divorced and uh one none of them their parents did not divorce each other, right? So um I I think when you come from divorce, you have this very internal way of knowing what that's like. So they don't know mm-hmm. what that's like, right? So my parents do speak about each other and not in the kindest of ways. <laughs> you know, we did not come together. And I have had to say to them on different occasions, not a lot, but I've had to say, when you speak about this other person, right, your ex-spouse, you are speaking about a part of me mm-hmm. because that person is my parent. They are yeah. a part of me. And so um, it kind of it says to me, I guess I can hold both sides of it, right? That I fully understand that we express what we feel, right? And that makes sense to me because I have all these examples of people expressing what you feel. Um, and yet there, there's not a whole lot of resolution there, mm. right? Um, because <laughs> I have had to say it multiple times and it still happens. But um, it's just a very different experience, right? Yeah. So so you would – that strategy would be reinforced for mm. you that – you set it aside, you push through for the good of everybody and everything. And I have many examples of, nope, we say it, we express it, we get it out there. We don't really know what to do with it fully once it's mm-hmm. out there, but it's out there. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're kind of pointing to in our own lives, in our own experiences, 
um, just family dynamics where this is our culture, this yeah. is our norm that we either do express or we don't express. Um, and, and it doesn't have to be a perfect expression in order for us to develop those internal working models that we, um, that become our primary sure. attachment strategies. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, and we can, we can develop, you know, wounds and stuff from the, from the mm -hmm. past when mm -hmm. maybe when, when we do something that is out of that, that family norm. Right. And we have a, a really big reaction to it mm -hmm. because that doesn't fit within the norm of the family. And then all of a sudden that, that, that really reinforces that, you know, that strategy mm -hmm. that we've had. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember something when I was, you know, maybe five, six years old. Um, and I was, I was, and th this is, it's like a vivid memory for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had, and we, you know, this is not like, we didn't go on a lot of, you know, expensive vacations. Like a vacation for us was, you know, we would, we would go to, to a lake or we would go to the mountains and, you know, just hang out. So going, doing something like Disney World was like a huge deal for us. Right. You know, um, and we had, we had gone, uh, down there and I, I again, I had to be like five or six years old, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, but we get down there and I'm on, we're on a ride called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. It's a, it's like a submarine ride. You get on it, you go, the you get on, you go down under the water and you just see a bunch of, you know, a bunch of, you know, animatronic stuff that was underwater, you yeah. know, just kind of looking like it was. Um, but I remember being so happy that we were, that we were going to Disney World. Yeah. Um, I had caught a, a stomach bug. Mm. I was sick. Oh. Um, I, I don't think I, re I, you know, I don't remember leading up to that. So I don't think I had like, I had gotten sick yet. Okay. But I got sick on that ride. Oh no. Puked, puked all over the place. Oh, I, re no. I remember, I remember being in there. I remember the smell. Like it's a vivid, vivid yeah. memory. I also remember my dad getting upset about it. Oh. I don't remember the exact words that he said to me. Right. But I remember being upset that I was, I was sick. Uh-huh. But then it sticks with me that like that wasn't acceptable for me to be upset. Because dad moment. was mad at you that you got because, that because you got sick. He was he was mad. He uh, might not have been mad at me, you uh -huh. know. But, but that's I, what came out of but him. But I remember that there was a really big reaction to it. Oh, probably like I'm embarrassed. This is you know, this is. I mean, it, normal reactions that we would all have to it. Yeah. Um, but then the way that it was it was handled. Not and, a comforting to you. Right. Like, oh, buddy, like, sorry about that. You know? Yeah. And and that may have been like I don't I remember the big reaction. Mm -hmm. Um and then that kind of reinforced to me that it's not okay mm -hmm. to to be upset about something. Right. Um <clears throat> so even little one thing that could sure. happen when you're when you're young can reinforce those things or you know, or or make like there's a new rule that develops out of that that you that you yeah. apply to now. Now it's not okay for me to be upset about something. Right. I really hear. I, I think that's true. Right. That we can have these big experiences mm -hmm. that shift us. But in your story, uh, in your experience, and w when I put that in the context of what you've shared about your family, is that um, actually there were a lot of those messages. Mm -hmm. And that that was a visceral one where it became very clear to you, yeah. right? Like most of the time we don't question this, right? Because a lot of times, and this is true for all of us, we say, 
well, I thought my family was normal until I like started spending time with friends at their mm-hmm. house and I realized their family did stuff really different. Yeah. And I never thought it could be that way. And sometimes that's for the better and sometimes that's not for the better. Yeah. Um, but uh, sometimes it's those uh, other experiences, right? When we're in other people's homes or exposed to other ways of being that really give us a sharp understanding of our own family of origin. But I hear you saying that experience on that ride when you got sick Mm -hmm. was a sharp experience solidifying this is how we do things. Yeah, yeah. And I love my parents. Absolutely Mm -hmm. love my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, There is, you know, I can't picture better people to be my parents. Mm -hmm. But those instances, you know. Yeah. Get, send us messages, they you know, do. even if they're not in, not intended. Right. And most often they aren't. And mm-hmm. I think I really uh, appreciate you mentioning the care that you have for your parents. I have that for my parents too, right? We all do. Yeah. Um, and I think this, speaking of the title, this is not the point of our episode, but that our love for our parents can block us mm. from yeah. also recognizing the ways in which they did not meet our needs. Yeah. And they're humans, so they're not going to. No. And that's really painful for the child, no matter how, whether mm. we're adult or not child. And it's painful for the parent, but that's reality. And so you're, we're both putting words to moments in which our parents set examples for us or did or didn't meet our needs. And I think the reason that really strikes me is that... I will very often hear from someone, I had a great childhood. Yeah. My parents were very involved. They went to all of my activities. They even, you know, coached or, you know, just were like in the activity with me. Um, I had an ideal upbringing. I had friends. I had neighbors, all this stuff. Everything was good. No problems. And I hear that. And I don't mean to be the ever present cynic, but I think... Life is not always good, mm. right? It's just not. And so what was that family culture that allowed everything to always be okay? Yeah. Where was the trade-off there? Um, and it says to me that that person's family did not go to those uh, more difficult or uncomfortable feeling sure. places, right? So their body does not know that that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah, it... it brings to my mind like this um uh do you ever see the movie i think it was called stepford wives uh-huh um where like the neighborhoods are all like the same and yeah. like you have to like adhere to like these certain things so yeah. there's like there's pressure mm-hmm. from the outside on families to right. to maybe you know have a perfect life yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and not to have you know well if we if we argue at home or we express emotion then you know, that's, that's out of the norm of what our, you know, we should, we should be, you right. know, you know, that doesn't happen to, you know, white middle-class families, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, that's not how we operate. So we're not going to operate like that. We're right. not going to have, you know, dysfunction or disagreement. So it gets shut down. Right. So you're saying sometimes the, those pressures on the outside, cause I don't think anybody is really excited about airing their dirty laundry, you know, or anything like that. But you're saying what we're kind of talking about right now is when that pressure comes inside the home mm, yeah, and it really silences things inside the home. Uh, whereas a lot of other people might say, well, we didn't, we didn't take that into the world with us, but in our home, 
um, yeah, if we had a problem with each other, we just spoke it out, you know, and, um, we can, and I hear a lot of couples, they say, gosh, you know, his family or her family, they can, they can yell and scream and fight. They get it all out. And then they're sitting down and having a meal together. Like nothing ever happened, mm. you know? And sometimes that is very jarring and hard for that partner to see. Cause it's yeah. so contrary to what they've experienced. But also sometimes they say, gosh, I wish my family could do that. We don't express, we don't share. So I really wish that we could just have it out and be done with it, mm. right? And so I think kind of like we end up in, we very often find a pursuer and a withdrawer in relationship together. That means it makes sense that we would come from very different family backgrounds. Yeah. It brings up to mind for me too, like perhaps, you know, maybe that, you know, sometimes like the lack of, of conflict, we'll call it, you know, yeah. the lack of tension in a house means safety for a withdrawer. So, you know, that, you know, that inclines them to, to pull away more, you know, yeah. that's what they experienced when they were growing up, you right. know, that there wasn't, a, there wasn't conflict. So that meant everything was safe. Yeah. Maybe sometimes for pursuers and this, you know, I could be completely off base with this, but maybe there was more conflict right. around the house. There right. was more of that getting out, yep. but that getting out and it being out in the open feel safer. Sure. And I can say, um, in my marriage, um, my, uh, my ex-husband's family was very close knit. Like they did a lot of stuff together. It was rare that there was tension there, right. Mm -hmm. But it was rare that it was brought to the surface or talked about. And there was something really refreshing about, uh, like kind of what you described with your family, like everybody being able to be in the same room all together still connecting, still finding good things about each other. Um, cause my family was so disjointed, like we can't all be together. Um, and so I think, but, but what you describe is true, right? So there was a part of me that kind of envied that and longed for that with my family, but then I also would feel those tense moments and I would be like, let's just get it out in the open, you know? So it was a little bit of a both and I yeah, think sure. as a pursuer. Sure. So I think the other thing we were talking about is that um, uh, we're sort of, I I mean, we have to own our, we're both white, um, you know, cisgendered, heterosexual people. And so, you know, our difference is I was raised in Ohio, you were raised in South Carolina. There are some cultural differences there, right? I imagine that in part my home was not quiet because my home was not south of the Mason-Dixon where cultural dictates on family and femininity and all of that were in place for me. Um, But there's all kinds of other shades of culture that can influence um, how we relate, how we connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, and it comes up a lot in sessions, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, there's different, there's cultural differences between, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the partners Mm -hmm. and, you know, when messages that get, that hit on some of those cultural pieces come up, it creates really intense reactions Mm -hmm. um, because that's not the way either one of them, you know, they didn't grow up the same. They didn't Mm -hmm. have that same cultural experience. Um, And part of that is, you know, with, with one partner, maybe it's, it's some, ignorance of not understanding, you know, the others, right. you know, where the other came from and how, sure. they, how they were raised. But too, because it is, it is so different. It just, sometimes it's really jarring. Yes. You know, to, to yes. each of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I have such an affinity to Latin culture, um, because salsa dancing is a hobby of mine. And so, um, you know, you hear the music, you, I've met a lot of folks where, you know, English is not their first language and from all different kind of Latin countries. And, um, many, many years ago, I dated someone from El Salvador and I remember visiting with his family and, you know, here I am, white Midwestern woman, very used to like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what the plan is. Let's go. We'll see you there. We'll meet you there. And we're visiting his family. And I'm thinking like, okay, we said we were going to go here and it's been an hour. Mm. Why are we not going here? Right. And, and it's that collectivistic culture that what I, as the individual want is second to what the family wants or needs, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of waiting around. Like, is everybody ready? Oh, you need to do this. Okay, so we can't leave yet because we got to wait for you. And then even if we would get in the car, like we can't just go right to, like let's say we needed to go to Target. We can't just go right to Target because somebody has to go to the gas station and get a bottle of water and somebody has to do this. And so, you know, I know that there's um, there's a lot of humor around how we see time management and all mm. of that, but it's that yeah. cultural piece that um, the individual is secondary to the family or the needs of the family, and that was a very jarring experience for me. It was so different. I yeah. I um, I did not devalue it, but I, I noticed it right, and I think um, it was so normal for them that they wouldn't have thought to explain it. This is just what we do. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you can very much see that obviously that relationship did not continue, but had that continued and that been the dynamic, that would have been something to navigate and to make explicit and clear. Otherwise, somebody's going to be upset. Yeah. Right. It's either me or it's going to be the family member. And that's not good for anyone. Yeah. The Southern goodbye comes up to me like, you know, you got to say goodbye to like everybody in yes. the house and, you, yeah. do, you know, the, you know, maybe one partner is like ready to go uh-huh. and it's like, oh, but, you know, now we, we said we were leaving 15 minutes. So you now know, we got to start ago, it all over again. You know, and, but now all of a sudden it ends up being two hours before we end yeah. up leaving, yeah. you know, and then, you know, you can see where that can be a yeah. block, but those are, those are cultural pieces and, yes. you know, there's, yes. there's that, how much it means, you know, to. Right to fit into that, um, those cultural norms, right? you know, that we want to please both our partners and our families, you know, and when, when that comes into conflict, when pleasing our families, you know, and, and, in fitting into those, you know, those family norms or cultural norms and pleasing our partner that fits outside of that, Mm -hmm. there's going to be tension that, that comes up there between those two. Right. Interestingly, Midwesterners have the Mm -hmm. same kind of goodbye. So I intuitively get that. And I think what you're saying is, is true. And even when we share that culture, but like the, the long goodbye, so to Mm -hmm. speak, um, it's, it's probably going to be the case that when it's my family, we can take two hours to say goodbye. But when it's your family, I'm kind of ready to go Mm, or vice versa. You know, it's just within our own comfort. Um, but right. So there can be, uh, especially when we are dating interculturally or multiculturally, or, or if we have a multicultural marriage, um, we are going to come up against those different, um, cultural forces, cultural standards. Some of them we might embrace easier than others. 
and they are going to dictate how we show up in our relationship mm. with our partner. And that is even true when we uh, come from a similar culture, right? If we're both raised in the same part of the country, if we both um, identify with the same, we're both, uh, we're monoracial, not multiracial. Yeah. We're um, we have the same faith background. We have the same values. There's still going to be these differences. And I think what matters most to us in the work that we do with couples and um, our whole MO, right, around connection is what were the differences or similarities around how your family did emotion? Mm, yeah. That's really kind of make or break, I think. Yeah. We can incorporate a lot of other things, but emotion is the language of connection. And so that's where it's most important to understand how our upbringing impacts how we relate to each other. Yeah. 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 Completely agreed. Yeah. That's so good. we'll just park it there for today on this. Hopefully that gives people some little bits and pieces on, um, you know, maybe some folks will have heard parts of their story in your or my story. Um, and to be curious about how did my family do emotion? And yeah. I really mean it like a verb, right? Not just how was it handled or whatever, but what did we do with what we felt, whether that was something pleasant or unpleasant? Yeah. And um, can we be curious about what that was like for me? Can I be curious about what that was like for you? And then can we come together to see how does this play out in our relationship and not in this throw my hands up like, ugh, we just come from such different places, mm -hmm. but in a more tender, curious, wow, I can really make sense now of why you do that thing you do. Or I can really even further understand why I do what I do yeah. and how that comes together to make it more or less challenging for us. I like what you said, you know, instead of that throwing our hands up, like we're just different. Mm -hmm. That curiosity of understanding it a mm -hmm. little bit more, yeah. you know, and understanding where, where you came from, you know, why, why, how, you know, this is the way you handle it. Okay. Why do you handle it this way? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. why does your family handle it this way? Right. From a heart of curiosity. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah. go be and, curious. And not, not a, not a heart of, well, why do you do it like that? Right. 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 <laughs> like I'm trying to correct you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So hopefully you can bring some curiosity to this consideration about mm -hmm. how your upbringing, how your family of origin impacts your current partnership. Yeah. Be curious. If you were feeling stuck or if anything in this episode resonated with you where this is kind of going on in your relationship and you would like some more support through this, um, we've got some resources for you. Yeah, you might want the support of an EFT therapist and you can find one in your area by going to ICEEFT.com and search by location. Or we would love to have you attend one of our workshops, and we will include registration information in the show notes.